is Malia here, and I'm with Fred Ramirez. Today's guest is Glenn Robbins. You are listening to the Carrero Podcast. Glenn Robbins is a superintendent of the Brigantine Public School District in Brigantine, New Jersey. His passion is harnessing a school culture that thrives on design thinking skills, innovative digital spaces, exponential thinking, BYOD, and one-to-one, social-emotional learning zendens, and maker spaces. In addition, Glenn encourages all students to have a voice not only in building a school culture, but also in designing student-led courses. Glenn is a member of several local and national boards and has been honored and awarded based on his exceptional endeavors. Glenn has been recognized by numerous organizations for his innovative technology implementation methods and has been a featured speaker at numerous events across the globe. His extensive travels to various schools across the globe have helped him to diversify his views on education and implement new instructional methods to better both students and staff. Welcome, Glenn. All right. Thanks so much for joining us today, Glenn. We always like to share our social media platforms, your preferred platforms or your outlets that you would like listeners to connect with you at. Can you share those with us right away? Yeah. The biggest one that I use is primarily Twitter. And I'm at Glenn R1809, G-L-E-N-N, R1809. You can also find me on Facebook or Instagram, uh, but Twitter is my primary uh, expertise area. Great. So you have been nominated and awarded several different awards. Uh, you sent us your bio up uh, early, and I didn't put it in the uh, <laughs> your intro, but I do want to talk about some of those with you. So you're actually on the AASA National Governing Board. Can you tell us what that is? Yeah, so basically it's uh, different regions of the country get together and meet with their executive board. And we discuss policies and so forth on how we can help shape the uh, future of education. Uh, We meet usually every uh, June slash July. And from there, we meet with the advocacy groups. And then we go to to Congress and we talk to our politicians about what we could do differently in education to better for public school education. Wow, that's incredible. So have you seen any of these things come to fruition? Well, I guess the big thing right now would be uh, this past year would be the E-rate conversations. It would be funding towards schools. Um, so, yeah, it's, I think it's all in flux, to be honest with you. It's a constant movement. Yeah. Um, but our goal, is, like I said, is to you know have conversations with different leaders from across the country, come together as one, and then try to lead um, public schools together moving forward. And having those conversations with political members, you know, that need to hear and see from individuals that are in the trenches every single day. Right. Now, now, now Glenn, you're, you're talking my, my language now because um, um, I, I have a background in education, in education policy. Who are those, those members that you're, that you're getting a lot of positive, positive feedback from? I don't want to, I don't want to ask you which ones are like the negative ones, but you know, who are, <laughs> who are, who are some of the, some of the people out there that are that are really in, engaged in in some of the things that 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 your org- organization is talking about. So, are you talking about the educational leaders? Or are you talking about the political leaders? Political leaders. All right. So, for us, we meet with our local representatives. Okay. If you would call it that way. So, okay. for, obviously, since I'm in New Jersey, we go meet uh, 
with the chief of staffs as well as the political leaders as well in Congress. And the same goes on for all the other various states. I think the biggest thing is that when you get into the room, you have these conversations with these individuals uh, that may not be aware of what's truly going on um, across different parts of the state. The unique thing about that is I represent the south part of the state. And, you know, New Jersey is separated into three different parts of it. We have north, central, and south. And there's a lot of differences there. And, you know, it's also become a big differences as far as funding. You know, our state for the last several years has really uh, transferred funding from one school to another. So we have a close to 200 schools that are losing funding. And then we have other schools that are gaining funding. And, uh, you know, trying to show them, you know, you're just taking money from one school and giving it to another is not true equity and equality for all students. Uh, all students should be given some type of uh, equal access of some sort to propel them forward. You know, So it's just getting in a room and having conversations with them and making them understand that what's truly going on and opening their eyes. And from what I've seen and what I've been with, they're very receptive um, oh, and very engaged to you know help move things forward. Good. Um, now... Um what are with, with regards to tech and and with regards to to the, some of the things that you're looking at? What are what what would be your your ultimate goals? Um, not just for for your for your district, but um, nationwide. Well, I think we're in a time of major convergence with technology. You know, we, we keep seeing the changes in the last several years, and we're going to see more in the next seven than we have in the past twenty. Um, I think the biggest thing going forward for us in our district is, you know, allowing our staff members uh, to understand what technology is going to be as we move forward. Artificial intelligence, the job front that we're moving into, um, you know, with all these different things, uh, you know, right now, there's billions of dollars being put into Uber flights, you know, the flying car that might finally yeah, come. Yeah, I saw that. You know, that so, looks you know, super cool. You know, the centuries, the drones and so forth. You know, we saw Elon Musk the other day talk about the Air Force and how the pilots may not be no more. We had drone pilots and so forth. So how do we prepare our students for that convergence? How do we make them become more critical thinkers to work with AI, work with the various technologies and be successful at that. You know, I recently showed my staff the recent economic forum uh, that was shared out and the job needs of the future. You know, so critical thinking, creativity, emotional intelligence, and those have moved up the list. Emotional intelligence wasn't even there five right. years ago, and I have a strong feeling it's going to be in the top three next time that comes out. So for me, I think it's just, you know, I have a, as a father myself, I have a three-month-old at home and I have an eight-year-old at home. Will he ever drive a car? Will my daughter ever drive a car? Will they drive them themselves? You know, what type of market will be out there for them uh, when they move forward? You know, will it be freelance? Will it continue to be gig? Um, you know, so things of that nature, just trying to think about our current kids in the future now, and the future is much faster than what we think. You know, if you think about just the past several years, how much has changed? And as we're teaching this, the old traditional methods have to you know, somewhat be obeyed, but at the same time, look to possibly break free of that and what could be different. So, so like I said, it's converging all those together with critical and complex thinking skills that are so desperately needed for our students. Can you elaborate a little bit on what you mean when you said just now um, that traditional methods need to be obeyed, but also reconsidered? What do you, what do well, you mean? I think, you know, we, we're so fixated on the standardization and, you know, we fixated on 
uh, our test scores and so forth. And I'm I'm a strong believer that if we, you know, give and I don't even like the term soft skills anymore, you know, or all the terminologies of STEM, STEAM, and all this. I just call it learning right now. This is the world that we live in right now. (laughs) Um, You know, so. You know, and, and the same thing with personalized. So I think, you know, traditional methods, there are times where teachers have to be able to provide information, you know, have to be able to provide some type of a storytelling to have the students understand what they're going to. But I think we need to break free of that and more towards a guidance and facilitation and allowing the students to follow different passions or purposes that they have, you know, and then thinking of the greater good, thinking of the greater community. You know, how could we take our lessons into the community and better the lives of someone else or whether it's a person, an animal, a job, uh, a market of some sort, you know, and really making that more meaningful, Um, you know, things like that. That's what they remember and they take hold of as they grow forward. Not a worksheet they did in seventh grade, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) we have a responsibility to all every day and things that make and capture something in their memory to propel them forward and get them excited. Yeah. So what I think I hear you saying is you're talking about more authentic, integrative, cross-curricular units. Can you talk a little bit maybe about how you're doing that in your school or how some of the teachers in your schools are doing that? Well, the new school that I'm at now in (coughs) right outside of Atlantic City, and I've been there for about a month. And one of the biggest things that I've seen is they have a lot of access to local community resources being on a barrier island. So you know, my goal as we move forward is how can we expand on that? In years past in my other various schools, I've had teachers that did total cross-curricular. You know, we've had students that go out and do team up the green teams on beaches and clean. Uh, also with the Mammal Stranding Center, we've had students that have done 3D printing for prosthetics and teamed up with local hospitals. The same thing with students that have done, um, you know, uh, pediatric unit designs for they were designing pediatric stuff for kids in a pediatric unit wow. we time we teamed up with the incredible two professors and doctors uh dr Pavlesi and dr Bonku at a jefferson university and bond has really exploded on the design aspect of um medical and he has an amazing design center at jefferson university and is now traveling all over the world and teaming up with Stanford and talking about that. So I think the more we can get our kids connected into those types of situations, the better. Yeah, and so are you talking about kids from pre-K all the way up through seniors in high school that are doing these connections? That's awesome. Yeah, so I've always, you know, I was nine years out of high school, but when we started really going forward with this, it was mostly in middle school. And then in my last district, it was elementary through middle school. So, you know, I'm a big believer and I used to hate the, the hearing it growing up myself that was hey wait till you get to high school and you can do this Correct. or wait till you get to college and yeah. then you can do this you know I see my son on you know on video games when he plays Minecraft and Fortnite and what he's designing in these creative worlds is simply unbelievable and then I talk to friends who have been leading these teams you know and they're you know you have some kids that are doing just videography you have other kids are doing storyboarding of it you know you have other kids are playing and you have other kids are designing fashion lines that go into this mm-hmm. and how they sell it and market it on twitch or youtube or whatever it may be and and i see that with my own son and i see that with our own kids we you know we had a kid the other day they were doing uh 3d design that teamed up with the art class and a steam class and he was in fourth grade he went out of his way and found this whole design uh, cad platform for free 
online and brought it into the school and then told all of his friends in fourth grade in front of a whole class. (laughs) And then he's coming to us saying, hey, can we get the paid version for this so we have more capabilities to move forward? So that is what I'm talking about, like just giving them that passion and purpose and saying, you know, I believe you can do it now. You don't have to wait to your high school. You know, you see some of the biggest social media influencers in the world. They're kids. Yeah, and they're right. making millions of dollars, you know, because they, they jumped forward and did something. So I don't want to deter them. I want to try to empower them. You know what, Glenn, you, you, you bring up some, some great points. And that's, that's one of the things that, that I want to ask you as a, as, as a leading, as a leading superintendent, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of talk now about school to work. Um, a lot of, and there's, and there's a lot of companies that are that are coming out and saying, you know what, you you really don't don't need to go to college in order to work for us. Um, a lot of and now that scares a lot of parents um, for the reason that they're like, no, every, you know, everybody needs needs to go to college. And so if we're if we're going to be doing if we're going to be prepping kids for the for the future, and then there's big time companies saying, look, you really don't need to go to a four year school. How do you, as like a superintendent, how do you marry both of them that, okay, now we can do this and we can do this after high school here. Now, now you can go work for this, for this one company. Well, I think that um, something I've really learned over the years from traveling with AASN, I've been part of the digital consortium, uh, which is now the transformational leadership uh, team. They changed the name. But we were privileged to go to schools all across the country and visit various levels. And we sat at one where they brought in multiple companies, including Boeing and several other big names. And they sat there and talked about how these kids were getting internships in high school and then going straight into their job market, starting at roughly about 90K. You know, that's, that's substantial, (laughs) but you know, I also look at it as a father. This is a conversation that I have with my wife often, who's also was an educator and now stay at home mom. You know, what is the future going to be for our kids? And I think something we've all learned throughout the years is it's about the networking. It's about the conversations that we have. It's about the options that we have, you know, for me growing up college, I needed because I needed to have more options. Yeah. You know, I, I graduated with a massive amount of debt that I paid off in several years. Uh, and I was proud about that. You know, I basically triple couponed everything, but I no longer had those, that debt. And you fast forward to now, we still have students that are graduating with debt. We still have students that are graduating and not knowing where they want to go. You know, and I think that's the, the, the beauty and joy of it. And having conversations with parents is, do they want to go to a traditional high school? Or do they want to go to a GoTech or a technology school or, you know, a charter or a magnet? There are so many different options for those parents and kids out there, but I think they should do it together, you know? And I think so often the parents are driving kids to, they have to be a lawyer, they have to be a doctor. I don't know about you, I wasn't sure what I wanted to be at seventh and eighth grade, you know? Exactly. Heck, I still want to be an astronaut that goes to Mars one day, you know? But it's it's frightening to me when I see these young kids with so much stress on them saying that I have to be a doctor at seventh grade. And when you see this substantial uptick in, you know, social emotional learning because of all the um, you know, unfortunate suicides and the mental health crisis that we have, you know, so I think a lot of times these kids are being told what to do before they even have a chance to explore what they want to do. So, but going back to what we talked about earlier, 
you know, we live in a world now where anybody can become an instant celebrity and or make money if they have a skill set. And I think that's our goal is, is give the kids the options so when they leave us, they have an opportunity to go out. And, you know, are we networking for them? Are we helping teaching them how to market themselves instead of just taking pretty pictures on Instagram or Snapchat and all that other stuff, you know? So I think there's a, there's a plethora. I think there's each family different, but they should have those options and opportunities to explore instead of being pigeonholed down one traditional route. So you were the NASSP National Digital Principal of the Year. I can tell why, based on all of these (laughs) things that you're saying that you're doing and how involved you are. Can you tell us a little bit about what goes into that application and that process and what are some of the projects maybe that you showcase to be awarded that prestigious title? Yeah, I think the biggest thing was just... You know, the power of connectivity, the power of Twitter, and we were, I, I love putting out stuff and celebrating our kids and celebrating our teachers and the work that they're doing every day. And I got very lucky by that because in the midst of that, people started catching on seeing what we were doing. And there was an individual that hit me up and said, you know, you really need to put in this application for digital principle. And I laughed, I smiled and said, no, not me, not even close because it's our kids are doing this, right. you know? And, and I think that's a stigma that follows me since then. Like, oh, he's a digital guy. He knows all this stuff. No, the kids know how to do it. Mm-hmm. The teachers know how to do it. And I, that's my goal is to create an environment for psychological safety to empower them to do these remarkable things. Um, so from there, we put the application in and then it got voted on. And some of the things we were doing at that time was mainly student voice. Um, we're going back, you know, four years now, but before that, we were doing student egg camps during the day where students for 45 minutes got to pick what they wanted to learn about, something of a, pers- a passion and a purpose that they had instead of, you know, being grilled down or just told it was a study hall period. So we were doing things like that. We revamped our learning design spaces years ago. You know, back in 2016, we even came up with the mantra, life ready. And I'm starting to see that more and more in the past year or two. You know, but I was proud about that, that, you know, four years ago, we came up with that mantra that that was the way the school was going to be. And I, like I said, I got tired of hearing college and career readiness. I got tired of hearing, you know, what the future could be. I wanted to be life ready then and now. So, yeah. you know, it was, it was revamping shop class and making it more digitalized, you know, more purposeful, more empathy. And then from there, you know, things just continue to evolve from that position to superintendency position and trying to help others understand that. So whether 3D printing and ELA, you know, where they're printing up a character that they read about, you know, or they yeah. created a, um, a whole new different maker spaces, but it's all about maker mindset and maker design and mm-hmm. tying in design thinking to get them differently thinking about what the world could be. And I think that's something that I was fortunate enough to for my connections and uh, some great friends out there that really helped push me forward in that in the mindset. One of the things that, that that you were you were talking about amongst all this stuff are the are the different types of partnerships that that you've had um, thus 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 far. How how would if there's listeners out there, um, how would a teacher work work with their with their superintendent in order to um, in order to try to get partners for for their own classroom or 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 their own school. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I think the biggest thing is that the central administration superintendent principal have to be able to support their teachers to begin with. They have to create an environment that they feel that they are safe enough to go out and actually ask for somebody to come in, whether it's virtually and or personally. Um, my recommendation is to show all the greater goods of what it could be. There are so many great teachers out there that have teamed up with so many individuals from across the globe. And all they did was say, hey, my third grade class is doing this. Would you be willing to speak with kids? And, you know, something we've noticed, it's, it's rather hard to say no to some really cute kids sometimes, <laughs> you know. And, and, you know, like I have friends who do podcasts like you guys do that bring in these amazing professionals from all across the globe that you would never think would talk to an educator. And all they said was, hey, I'm talking to, could you talk to my kids in 11th and 12th grade mm. on how they could reshape the future or job market would it be? So my, I uh, guess, uh, wording to anybody out there listening is just take a chance, you know, reach out to somebody, show them what you're trying to do. And if they can't do it, could they recommend somebody else that could do it for you? You know, like, you know, I understand people's time is valuable, you know, but is there somebody else out there that I don't know about that could team up with me? You know, there are various platforms out there, too. You know, we've used all types of different platforms. My last teacher uh, that I, I want to showcase in this regard with my former district was at Tabernacle, and we had uh, Michael Dunley, and he teamed up with Empatico. And I had other teachers that teamed up with Empatico as well. But at that time, that school, his class was mainly white. So we had no diversity. So we really wanted to expose our kids to equity and diversity and what the world is going to be. And he teamed up with Melissa Collins. Now, if you follow Mike Dunley or Melissa Collins, these two are dynamos in the education field uh, for what they're doing. And they've expanded so much that they were just on uh, NBC uh, Weekly News with Lester Holt. You know, on a Martin Luther King Day, they showcased them because of what they were doing. And all they did was team up with each other and they built ideas off each other. You know, we know in education, it's a very uh, isolated position at times if you want right. it to be. But I think that's a choice that we have anymore. You know, if you choose to be isolated, then that's on you. But if you go out and start shadowing and following other teachers and going to other schools, like you mentioned earlier, you know, you visit different schools, you know, so how could we get our teachers out there and start making those connections, whether it's in the classroom next door, the classroom down the street, or the classroom, you know, a couple of towns over, a couple of states over. We, we got to give them those opportunities, you know, but social media for me was that game changer because I kept trying to find like-minded, crazy people like me that, you know, to show that I wasn't alone. Crazy you know, is a common me. theme um, that people <laughs> self-proclaim to be in this podcast. So you're in good company. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you mentioned that when you were in seventh and eighth grade, you didn't know what you wanted to do or who you wanted to be. How did you decide to get into education? Well, I think it was ultimately when I played soccer a lot as a kid and I went to a lot of camps. And as I was going through the camps, I saw high school counselors there running the camps as well. So when I got to high school, uh, our soccer team at the time was always like the state championship team every other year. And I saw these young kids. So I said to my Coach at the time, hey, I'm in ninth grade. Could I be one of your counselors next year? Now, the oh. pay at the time was hardly anything, <laughs> uh, but it was out there and getting involved. And then I volunteered to a local youth team my sophomore year and really helped those kids out. And it was, you know, it was it was kind of giving back. And I saw the relationship that I was making with kids. And, you know, I decided to go that route, you know. So from there, it really showed me. And I had some really great teachers, too. 
you know, that showed me how great education could be, you know, and how I could give back in a way. So, you know, I was rather fortunate in that regard, thanks to soccer. Well, then, you know, and one of the one of the questions that I've that I've never really been able to ask a superintendent is how did you how did you make that that decision to to go from the classroom into administration, which you know is 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 cool. You know, you're you're still part of a local school, but then when you made then what made you decide then to to go into the um, superintendent role. You know what? Uh, I think about this all the time. I had a friend years ago when I first started teaching, and he said, you know what? You make a great superintendent. And I laughed at him because I was only there for like you know, my second year teaching, and I'm like, you're crazy? No way. <laughs> and here we are, fast forward, and, you know, I'm a superintendency. So I think for me, it was a unique journey that I had. My I was supposed to be a long-term sub for a um, person going out on Wow. For, uh, for teaching. Yeah. And the night before, I get a phone call that the gentleman passed away. Oh. So my first day on the job, I met the entire board. I met the entire grieving faculty. I met all the grieving kids because he was a beloved football coach. And wow. that was my first teaching opportunity. You know, and I did that for three years. And then I, I saw some really great assistant principals that really motivated me in a way. And I think I, cap- I got captivated by who they were. And, you know, when it came time to do an internship and I had finished my master's before I even had tenure in New Jersey, I saw an individual that I really respected. And I went to the principal and said, no, you're up to have this other person instead because that's next on the list. And I said, no, I want this individual because I think this individual can make me better. You know, so, you know, looking back at that, I'm, I'm thankful I went that route and challenged that because that individual did make me better. And then from there, as I was doing my internships and I was coaching and being a teacher at the same time, an opportunity arose. And the principal came to me and said, would you be willing to take over and become an assistant principal? So, you know, I jumped in. I had to give up my soccer coaching team, you know, for halfway through the season. That was tough because I coached for a couple of years. And I jumped into assistant principal and I did that for five years. And, you know, that really gave me so much experience in a very diverse community um, to seeing pretty much everything you could think of as an assistant principal. And then from there, a connection that I had in the next town over, a principal trip opened up. And you know what? From that point, I had two different bosses, two different types of superintendents. I had one that was very traditional, and I had to help every single day and be in their office. And then my second two years there, my last two, I had an individual, uh, Bob Gargiulo, and I said, Bob, you know, what would you like of me? And he said, run your school the way you want to run your school and the way you think it should be run. And from there, it just exploded. You know, I actually felt empowered. I could do things differently into the traditional route. And then, you know, as we kept moving forward, I saw, you know, the awards come in. I was able to help the teacher go to the White House and do all these great things that we were, our schools were achieving. And then it just came to me saying, hey, could I do it for a larger scale? You know, another challenge in a way. Sure. And then at that time, Tabernacle opened up. And that was an area where all my um, cousins had gone through. My grandparents were through from mm-hmm. that school area. So it was, And that's also where I coached as a kid. So it was a way to go back and give back to them. And then recently, Brigantine opened up. And I've always loved the beach. I've always loved the shore. And if you look where Brigantine's at on the map, it's right, a barrier island right outside of Atlantic City. And mm-hmm. I'm beyond ecstatic to be there 
and hopefully for many years to come. But, you know, one of the things that I've been very blessed with, one of the requirements, I guess, in my moral compass is that as a superintendent, this building and where I was before, I was in with the kids every day. You know, I, my office is located in the buildings. I'm not located in some Ivy tower <laughs> down the street, you know, where I'm totally not involved with kids. You know, I get to see what the teachers go through every day. I get to talk with the union association presidents and every other member to get a, a feel every day of what's going on in our school, in our community, and in the lives of kids. And I think that's something that I've truly enjoyed, knowing that I'm with the kids every day instead of being totally separated. So that's somewhat of my journey on how I got there, but I love being in the building with the kids because I can interact with them every day. That's awesome. And you've really gotten an opportunity to test your philosophy on a smaller scale and then scale it up, which maybe you could share with us what some of the obstacles were in that process. <laughs> there are many <laughs> obstacles. So like I said, the teaching gig, how I started, that was a major obstacle to overcome a lot of grieving kids yeah. uh, and be given a contract by second period saying, hey, you're the teacher for the rest of the year. Um, you know, as an assistant principal, <laughs> my first week we had my first day on the job, we had a fight on the bus. I was the first one there. I had to go quickly tend to that. And a week later, I had a kid that was getting maced by a police officer in my office and stunk the office up for two weeks because of the uh, physical assault that the, the kid was trying to do to the police officer. Um, you know, as a, as a principal, my first uh, principal job, at, you know, my only principal job that I had at Northfield, uh, we started, I met the staff over the summer, we started, all teachers came back, and they found mold. And they ended up shutting the building down for three weeks and I had to go through extensive mold cleaning uh, through the building with different companies. And I was even in there, you know, trying to help clean and save money and unfortunately sure. getting dirty, if you put it that way. And then, you know, same thing for superintendency. When I got into Tabernacle, there was a massive push against the school social media wise. And when I went to the IT director and said, hey, can I please have the social media account pages so I can start, you know, blasting out all the positives? I got told no. <laughs> and I was like, wait, 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 you do realize I'm your boss, I'm your superintendent. I asked for this. No, we, we can't give that to you because the people are too mean out there. And so <laughs> I got past that, I got the account codes, and we started blasting out so much positive things that our staff and kids were doing that some of the naysayers that I was told over in the past were contacting me and saying, we never realized this was going on in the schools. We never realized that. So we live in a world with so much informational text that's given to people. So we got to showcase the positives. And, yeah. you know, and then my newest challenge is I just started Brigantine in February. What superintendent or what administrator usually starts in the middle of the year? Um, you know, so it's quickly trying to learn all the staff members, build relationships, trying to show them that I'm not Darth Vader walking down the hallway <laughs> or wearing a Jason mask, yeah. you know, that I'm there for them. Um, so, you know, there are so many challenges, but I look at every challenge as an opportunity. I look at every challenge as something going to teach you. You know, I've grown so much mentally, physically, and spiritually because I didn't take the challenge and just put myself down and bang my head against the wall. It was always using that design thinking process of how might we yes end and what if, you know, and trying to overcome that. Yeah. So, you know, giving that vocabulary, given the mindset, um, taking time and realizing you don't have to make a decision right then and there. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have all the answers. Rely on your teammates that have been through this before and, and trust those people and build that type of 
community that people can bounce ideas off of you when you sit in a room. You know, so each and every one of those challenges, and we have challenges every day, you have to be able to process that. You know, I take gratitude walks daily, you know, the process, you know, five things that have been going great during the day. You know, I try to challenge teammates, like family members. You, you love them, but you want to support them to be even better. So, you know, how do you go about that delicate nature of, you know, someone that may be difficult for others to try to support them to move forward? You yeah. know, so it, every day is a challenge. Every day is an opportunity. You know, same thing as parenthood. I'm going through this in a whirlwind right now. And <laughs> I, I don't know what I'm doing at the time, but I'm trying my best, you know. Yeah. And, I, and I try to say, how could I make this better for my kids, too? You know what, Glenn, you were, everything that you're, that, that you're doing and saying is amazing. Um, and one of the, one of the really, I think, key, key things in which I was, I was gathering what, what you were talking about were, was all the different types of options, all the different types of opportunities that, that were given to you. Um, how can we transfer that um, into, our, into our teachers in order to listen to their own their own kids, uh, because still we 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 have a generation of teachers that are that are out there that were you know my age um, that was that was told okay you know all the you know put all of the desks in rows you know it has to be like this while well and you know you're the sage on the stage um, and so how can we how can we change change that um, or how can we work with 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 teachers in order to give kids more more voice. Well, I think it's, it's like you said, it's, it's leading from that top, but also leading from the bottom. Um, one of the biggest things that I would recommend is if you're in a school district that has a teacher head or an association president is to team up with them and talk with them and show them why you're truly there. Um, you know, obviously you live in a world that results driven, but there's ways of getting results if you support and care for people and at the same time, show them you're a human being. I am by no means perfect. I remember as a principal, I wanted to start flipping my faculty meetings and, you know, to start utilizing time more purposeful in a faculty meeting. And I sent out a video of me talking about for five minutes about great things going on in our school and please bring these two things. And I took off the next day and I came the following day and everybody's like, that was the greatest thing ever. You're brilliant. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Me talking for five minutes. And then... What I found out was my video, depending on which uh, media option you're using, my video was upside down. So I literally flipped the faculty meeting. <laughs> and so I literally I flipped I your up. lesson. <laughs> yeah, literally, right? So I walked into the meeting and I said, look, I would love to take credit for this, but I messed up. It was a chance and a, something completely different that I tried that I've never tried before. And I'm showing all of you right there. I want you to take the list too. You know, so I just had a faculty meeting with our, our staff yesterday, and I said to all of them, look, when's the last time you did anything for the first time? You know, if you weren't afraid of me coming in there and saying, you have, Rose, have, you know, Rose and Death and this and that, what would you do differently? You know, I want you to try out a new lesson that you've always been tempted to try. I want you to reach out to a community group that you've been tempted to do, but you were somewhat scared and fearful of. You know, so it's like learning. We don't learn unless we fail. You know, and unfortunately, teachers have to fail, but they have to reflect. We don't want them doing the same lessons over and over again. And you know what? I like that fun with my staff. You know, so at the end of the day yesterday, at the end of the in-service that we had, 
and took them all into the other room, surprised them. We did Hungry, Hungry Hippos, the live version with the adults, <laughs> you know, and they had never done anything like that before. Yeah. And you should have saw all the smiles, the laughter. And then afterwards, I gave out the winning team, you know, extra prep period. The person that helped me out, they got a free personal day that kept it silent wow. and no one knew it was going to happen. And then all the, the people that helped collect the balls, we gave a gene day too. But it's a, it goes back to your culture. It goes back to your relationships you build with them. And I'm a big believer that when you cross a threshold into the building, it should be a fun, engaging environment. It's at school. We're not in a prison. We're not in a regimented workplace. You know, and yeah. we have to think about what is the experience we're trying to create for these kids and what do you want them to take home every day to remember? You know, because I hate the cliche of, oh, what you do at school today? Nothing. Yeah. I would love for them to come home. Obviously, change the question up a little bit to the kids <laughs> today. Don't say nothing. And be able to elaborate something pretty authentic and original that they've never had the opportunity to do before. And think about that to the staff. You know, like to, you mentioned earlier that you were taught certain things. You must have post-traumatic stress syndrome in a way. You know, mm-hmm. like we have to reawaken your inner rookie in you. Yeah. You have to yeah. reawaken that fire that you had and that you didn't have beaten down for all these years and try to reignite that. You know, and, and ultimately, that's me saying to you, I support you. Let's take a risk. Let's take a chance. So I like that you really do support your teachers, and I'm guessing your other administrators as well, like free to fail. It's a really good yep. thing to model for your students as well, because we ask our students to try these new things, and everything's new to them every single day. And if we're not modeling taking a risk and failing, failing forward, if you will, then they're going to be afraid to do that too. So that's a great philosophy and, and just like a comfortable way to be comfortable with the uncomfort in a way. Yeah. And that's the thing. We'll never exceed. We'll never move forward if we keep doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. You know, so how do we break that status quo? And I I don't really like the failure term. I just like to call it iteration, you know, like, all right, that didn't work. So iteration part two, part three, 2.0, whatever it may be. So that way they feel, once again, it's a vocabulary in their head. They hear, most people hear failure and they stop and they put themselves down. They hear iteration or another chance or something new. It somewhat lifts them up in spirits. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Well, I think it's really inspiring to hear all the things that you're doing and all the work that you're doing with your students yeah. and in your schools. Um, and obviously positive results are coming from it. And I like seeing that you're involved even at the, like the national level with policy, which, you know, that's where we need change. We need to come from people who are in the schools and know what, what teachers and students are doing on a day-to-day basis. We always like, (laughs) yeah, we always like to end, uh, each session with our call to action that we ask our participant so this can be what you want to, if you have the, just the one thing that you want the teachers or the listeners or future teachers to take away from you, what is your call to action to them? I think we have the greatest job in the world. I think we have the greatest opportunity in the world. You know, everybody's so worried about the future and what the future may be. We have an opportunity to design the future right now. You know, the future is faster than we think, obviously, but what we design designs us back. And I think for us, as we move forward, is how do we create opportunities for young students to move forward in a digitally advanced world, regardless of where you live, to be critical thinkers, optimistic, 
you know, and to be able to have emotional intelligence to work with other individuals. So those are just some of the tidbits that I would push forward on. Um, because like I said, as a dad and as a superintendent, you know, it's the most meaningful job in the world to me, you know, and it makes such a tremendous difference moving forward. That's wonderful. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Glenn, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for sharing all of your experiences with us. Really appreciate you. All right. Thank you guys. I could not thank you enough for being here. And, uh, you know, one last tidbit, if you want to follow on Twitter or my new school district at Briggs Schools, at B-R-I-G Schools uh, on Twitter, at Briggs Schools for Brigantine. Please do so because great things are going to continue moving forward. Awesome. We'll look forward to seeing it too. So thanks so much.